0: Say, hi, you're listening to First Day Back. Hi, you're listening to First Day Back. Hang on a minute, Adam. Okay, say, hi, you're listening to First Day Back. Hi, you're listening to First Day Back. My mom's podcast on getting back to work. My mom's podcast on getting back to work. What's a podcast? It's like a radio program that people listen to on their phones or on their computer. Okay. Previously, on First Day Back, I decided it's time to get back into my filmmaking career, after taking time to be with my kids, who are now six and three. Easier said than done. I've applied for a grant for a film, but I'm still plagued with worry that if it gets financed and we start shooting, it'll mean too much time away from my kids. If you're just tuning in now, this podcast will be following my story, so I do recommend you go back and start at number one. I'm aiming to have episodes up every two weeks, but there's a learning curve, and this one took longer. Okay, here goes. Episode two. The division of labor is pretty gendered in my house. David takes out the garbage, does any job with tools, changes the light bulbs, and I do all the cooking, make lunches, do laundry, and most of the childcare stuff. I have joked to my friends that it's like the 1950s in here, although I don't make that joke in front of David. It's not a fair joke because A, I'm not working, so if I'm not doing this, what the hell else am I doing? B, I chose to opt out of my career to do this, and C, A woman called Cassie comes every few weeks to help with the deep cleaning.
1: You guys are really bad housekeepers.
0: In a way, I'm just modeling the way things were in my house growing up, where my parents had a pretty old school model. My dad worked really long hours and came home to supper on the table. And my mom, well, she had a subscription to a magazine called Homemaker, which pretty much says it all. I keep thinking that maybe living in these traditional gender roles is making it harder for me to figure out how to get out of them, and I've started worrying that I'm setting up my boys to repeat the same gender roles in their lives. My parents, in their own way, did teach me to go out and be a feminist. They just didn't live it in our house. I decided to confirm with my dad. What does it mean to be a feminist?
2: What is it to be feminine? feminist? feminist Yeah uh well I can, I I don't know what to answer to that <laughs> Feminine is lady uh, women who wants to be n- nice to want to look uh, nice to want to take after the children to want to have a family they want uh and they want to look after herself to look nice and to be feminine
0: No not feminine like feminist
2: What's feminine? Feminist.
0: (laughs) Feminist. Well, like... Okay. Like, you... Even if my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and even...
2: If she's more attractive... When she's feminine, she's more attractive?
0: No. You still raised me to believe that... um, that I could have a job, that I should That I should try to go to university, to go, you know, to do well at school.
2: Sure, we always wanted that. We wanted to go to university, and you've been at the university, and you, you've been to school, which is, uh, we've been so proud about it, that you contribute uh, to the life, and you, to have your own life, and to, uh, when you grow up, to have a, a career.
0: I feel like... You're pretty modern in your think. even though you're a traditional person, you're whether or not you call it feminist or not, you're still pretty modern, you're progressive in your thinking, you never taught me necessarily that I had to be a wife or whatever, so... I-
2: No, I don't want you to be a wife the old-fashioned way. No way. I want you to be a a wife, a today's wife, educated, well-mannered, and have a a, a career of your own. And uh, the husband, if he come, he's welcome. But you have to have your own independency. He's there. there, I got him. Yeah, you got him. That's good.
0: After that interview, I started thinking about whether my mom had been a feminist. My mom chose to stay home with the kids in reaction to her own childhood, when my grandmother was a single mom. My grandmother was forced to work crazy hours at the family fruit store after my grandfather left her. I remember my mother telling me that my grandmother was never home for her and that she missed her presence. When my mom married my dad, she felt like they were able financially to have her stay home with us. And isn't that what feminists fought for? The right to have that choice. I think my mom was both a stay-at-home mom and a feminist. My husband David asked me the other day, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you want to get back to work? There's my public answer, which usually stays uncontroversially around a six, and there's a higher number that I don't even like to admit to myself. If I'm honest, most days I'm creeping towards an eight. And sometimes when I hear my voice so impatient with the kids, I think that's probably the nine breaking through. Part of it is how I see myself. I had a decent filmmaking career and for a long time, that was me. And then I had kids and that all took a back seat. I felt like motherhood was my most important job. I wanted to be super mom. So I feel a bit sheepish, a bit defeated, admitting that, yeah, a lot of it is boring. I lose it sometimes in parking lots. I check my phone too much when I'm with my kids. And a lot of times, I really just want to be with adults. Right after I finished episode one, The New York Times, CBS News, and Kaiser Family Foundation released a poll in which they found that of non-working adults aged 25 to 54 in the United States, 61 percent of women said that family responsibilities were a reason they weren't working, compared with 37 percent of men. Of women who identify as stay-at-home moms and have not looked for a job in the last year, nearly three-quarters said they would consider going back if a job offered flexible hours— Or allowed them to work from home. And then suddenly the poll legitimized me. It said there are signs that some women, particularly college-educated ones, may be figuring out a new solution. They're taking time out of the workforce when they have children and returning when those children are older. That's definitely what many women would like to do if they could afford it. Of those women who are out of work and identify as stay-at-home moms, They said that 67% said it was likely they'd be working five years from now. The study did not say how to magically re-enter your career after so much time away. By now, some people must be saying, suck it up, Abacassus. And maybe my attitude is indulgent, sitting here navel-gazing about what mothering means to me and whether or not I can be a dedicated mother and have a real career. My friend Ariella Friedman is a professor, and she thinks the better word is retro.
1: I mean, I feel like it is a little old-fashioned to be framing this in terms of mothers and whether or not mothers should be with children and whether or not mothers should stay at home. I kind of feel like, isn't that supposed to be resolved by now? Like, shouldn't this be a conversation about parents and work-life parents or parents and children? But do you think it's resolved in the people around you? Well, not entirely, but I'm kind of surprised it isn't. I feel like I have a lot of friends who had completely egalitarian relationships and then marriages um, if they got married until childbirth. And at childbirth, they snapped into much more traditional family structures and much more traditionally gendered roles. And that was surprising for me. And there were all kinds of reasons for it. Sometimes, frequently, the male partner had the more lucrative and more established career. So it made financial sense for the woman to step back and be with the kid and take care of the home, except that often it seemed like it stuck much longer than it needed to. Like once those patterns had been established, they stayed in place even after the kids were older and even when it was possible for the male partner to take more agency and responsibility. But it didn't happen with everybody. And I feel like it's going to happen less and less because I feel like there's this new generation of parents in the park and I see them there and I see these dads in the park In the middle of the week with their kids and that was not the case when my kids were small six or seven or eight or even ten years ago.
0: Probably one of the ways that things slide towards traditional gender roles is because it's usually women who take a leave when the baby is born. In Canada and more particularly in Quebec where I live there's a very generous one-year parental leave policy that is mostly taken by women. I'm going to talk more about leaves in a future episode, but Arielle and I talked about it and how, for me, it goes beyond that first year. But one thing that also strikes me is that it's not just a year, you know, like being a mother is not just about one year, um, which I know sounds really bratty, but um, it's like if I had six weeks or three weeks, it would seem like, what are you complaining about? Um, I guess because here I am, and I'm still trying to figure out how to make it work for myself.
1: That's true, and even elementary school is not built for two working parents. Your kids get to school too late, and they have to be picked up too early. So either you're in the position of leaving them in after school so that they're in this building for nine hours a day, which seems really long to me and really hard to me, Or one of you has a flexible working schedule. But again, I would say it's not that motherhood is not just a year. It's parenting is not just a year. If you end up in a situation where you, where both of you have some flexibility, then the burden is not on one of you or the other.
0: I think the burden will always be on me because I put it there. Or maybe it's there biologically. I'm just hardwired to think about the kids. My other friend Erica Goldstein has older kids too, but is also a single mom. She thinks mothers just think differently from fathers.
3: I would always be more responsible than than my husband at the time. I would always be I would ha- I would always be more responsible. I would be the one thinking about what's for dinner and making sure when the kids were older what's for lunch and how they're going to get to their activities as they got older and i and i'm talking to my my girlfriends and it's it's all it's a pretty much all the same it's not the guys that are saying oh how are we going to manage to pick up um <laughs> pick him up from soccer while she has to go to gymnastics and and then there's like uh there's the guys are not thinking about all the stuff and then this is the stuff you're you're still working 40 you're still working 40 hours a week and at the same time thinking what's for supper who has to be picked up when and uh and how I'm going to survive how am I just going to survive without breaking down so i don't know uh it's not, it, it was a lie. The whole thing was, the whole thing was a lie. And that's what I tell, I tell my kids already. Like I tell, I tell Sadie already, my daughter, who's now nine. And I tell her already that um, it's not gonna, it's not equal. Just so you know from the beginning, you can have a career and you can have a family. But to think that you're going to do, do it all is not reasonable. So sometimes you may have to make a choice, between having a super career and having a super family if that's what you want if you want to have everything because or you have to find the best husband in the whole world that is going to support you and 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 do half the things but so there? far I have I haven't I haven't found that I don't hear anybody else who says that their that their partners are doing that but wait, you literally, you literally tell Sadie, who's nine, you tell her that? I, I tell her, I've told her that uh, we've had this conversation. And I think as, as, um, as she'll get older, yes, I will tell her because I feel like a failure. Like, I feel like if we were told from very early on that we can be equal, right? We, we were told we could be equal and... And yet, so now I'm a failure because I'm, this isn't equal. So why should I feel like a failure when it's not reasonable in the first place?
0: There is another possibility with all this gender role stuff. Maybe I'm doing more of the house stuff because as a freelancer, I've always been home so much more. All the downtime of developing projects, which is a huge part of any creative endeavor, is time that I work from a little office in my house. So it's always been second nature for me to throw in a load of laundry during a quiet moment. Joel Yanofsky is a writer, and he's a house husband by virtue of the fact that his work actually happens at home. He has a different take on the housework side of things and on what he and his wife think about.
4: I always worked in my house, wherever my house was, when I was growing, when I was growing up and, and also sort of started working as a writer. It was more housework that I was kind of, became this new thing to me, and, you know, it can be crazy frustrating because you're just doing it and doing it over and over again and so doing things things like dishes always felt like both you know the Sisyphean tasks that you have to do over and over again but it also was very calming and 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 when you're working on something in terms of like the book I wrote about Jonah took forever to write and and it didn't feel like I was getting anywhere for a long time but doing something like the dishes was um great because you had a sense of accomplishment like at least three or four times a day you could accomplish something and they were there and they they were done and, and and so it was a great contrast to just beating your head against the wall when you're doing something like writing trying to write a book
0: who thinks who whose reflex is it to think about what needs to be done for jonah
4: yeah, I probably obsess over it more, and I think I think about the sort of like I said the mundane things like lunch, getting him out the door for the bus, and stuff like that. And Cynthia, my son has autism, so the Cynthia sort of thinks about the more global things like the future, and which I sort of try to not to think about. So she thinks about like um, you know where, where how is he going to be doing in a few years? Where is he going to be living? That kind of thing. So she's thinking about those things which I sort of uh, avoid for the most part. Actually, the housework is kind of a distraction, but I don't know that we've, we have different gender roles, although she, she does all the gardening stuff. I will not do that. She mows the lawn, for example. That's kind of embarrassing for the, for the very old world Italian gentleman who built his, own, his whole house by himself, basically, He's about in his seventies. He built this whole house. We watched it go up. He, builds all, he has a huge garden in the backyard, and I think when he sees my wife mowing the lawn, and then sees me sort of just lazy, what he assumes is lazing around, which sometimes is. He just wonders, what, what kind of man is this? I think he has this notion of me that, that is, and I don't always blame him. He's become my conscience a little bit. So yeah, so she'll mow the lawn and stuff like that. <clears throat> I won't do it. I just, I refuse to do it. I feel like I do enough in the house. But nobody sees it. You see, that guy doesn't see it. So I'm going to have him come in one day and watch me, follow me around while I clean up the house. Although I don't think that would be, increases respect for me.
0: The household jobs never get the respect. When people say to me, when are you getting back to work? I always think of that. That I'm working all the time. Just not at a career. The film that I'm trying to get off the ground is a documentary about something called the Faya that takes place every summer in a low-income neighborhood in Montreal. I found out about it last year and went back a few times to meet people and observe it. The Fayat is a social program through which disadvantaged youth are taught manual labor skills to help them become more employable. Over the course of 12 weeks in the summer, participants build a towering artistic sculpture, learning carpentry, plasterwork, and painting along the way. And at the end of the summer, they burn it to the ground. Total catharsis. It's like a mini Burning Man. And the message to the kids is, it's not about the end result, it's about the journey. (sighs) I hate the word journey. The idea of teaching someone to live life fully and invest in the process seems more meaningful to me now than it might have a few years ago. And in a way, maybe this podcast is my own process. Though, I do think I should focus on the film instead of spending all my time interviewing my friends and family about who does the dishes in their house. Because of the podcast, I'm suddenly working more than I thought I would be at this stage. It has made the gradual part of my re-entry a little less so, because it's another project and one that requires a lot of work. Adam has gone to daycare full-time the last few weeks, and if you're getting a sense of me, you won't be surprised to know that makes me feel guilty. I'm still volunteering at Jack's school, and the other day I crossed paths with his teacher. We were chatting about him, and I started babbling, apologizing for asking so many questions about him, telling her how it's still strange for me not to know all the details of his day. She looked at me, squeezed my arm, and said, That's a good thing. You've been listening to First Day Back, Join me next episode when I find out if I got the film grant I applied for. First Day Back podcast has a Facebook page you can like and a Twitter account you can follow for updates and info. Also, if you like First Day Back, please subscribe on iTunes, and I would be super grateful if you tell your friends or rate the podcast on iTunes. That stuff all helps. And please drop me a line at any of those places if you have feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Editorial help for this episode from Maria Shamus-Turner. Thanks to Megan Price, Erica Goldstein, Tori Marlin, Marcy Denisak, Ariella Friedman, Julianovsky. Special thanks to Poddington Bear, Jackson F. Smith, Chris Zabriskie, and Jazar from the Free Music Archive for their excellent music. Is it about cer- the podcast Serial? No, it has nothing to do with cereal. <laughs> thanks for listening.